0: Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. You're listening to the WE Podcast, and I'm your host, Sarah Moneris. I believe that we all need a space to speak our authentic truth, as well as a space to hear the truths of real and vulnerable people, so that we can better understand that we are not alone. Hearing the experiences of others encourages us to step into the light in our own lives. It is through owning our stories and learning to speak our truth that we are able to grow and rise above the challenges we face and step into the full power of all we were created to be. You will hear many topics discussed in this space with people from all over the world. We hope that you feel welcomed into a community of growth and that this space will invite you to uncover the absolute greatness that is already inside of you. Oh, and don't forget, check out all the We Podcast episodes as well as the Spot blog over at thewespot.com. Are you ready? Let's dive in. You're listening to episode number 47, The Things People Don't Talk About, Shame, Success, and Sex. In this episode, I chat with the WeSpot leadership team. This is the first episode in a series we will be doing where we talk about all the things that most people avoid. (laughs) In this episode, we do cover sex. It's a very open interview that gets a little risque and raw, so I will throw out the warning. Don't listen with very young people around. This episode is for mama's ears only. I'm not going to lie. There were a few spots that seriously made me blush. So if you're uncomfortable with this kind of thing, you may want to skip it. I absolutely love this roundtable approach to difficult topics. We are a group of women with different backgrounds and beliefs, so it's fun to hear all of our different perspectives and get lots of belly laughs in along the way. So if you haven't met my leadership team yet, you sure will here. Now before we jump in, I want to give a shout out to the reviewer of the week. Mel J.C. Mel says, inspiring. This community is so inspiring. This reminds me that we are all going through our own story and path. As women, we do the very best we can. At times, we forget what warriors we are. Thank you for encouraging us to grow and move forward. Thank you, Mel J.C., for your beautiful words and review. We are so grateful to have you as a part of our community. All right, here we go. Here is my interview with the WeSpot crew. Right here we go. Welcome to this episode of the Wee Podcast. This is a very exciting episode and the beginning of a pretty awesome series. I I can feel it coming. But we are going to start talking with all of you. We have the leadership team here for the Wee Spot. We have Danny Hughes and Heather Williams and Christina Schnellman. Who are total rock stars with the wee Spot. And if you don't know them yet, then you definitely need to get to know them. But what a better way to get to know them by kicking off a series on things that people don't talk about. So, very quickly, we're going to get pretty vulnerable with y'all, I, I think. <laughs> <laughs> And we're, gonna we're going to go deep. Yes. So we're going to talk about the things that get, get hidden or left behind or, or just that people don't talk about. So, obviously, we can't talk about them all at once. So, we are going to kick off a series, and this is going to be the first episode in that series. So, welcome, ladies, to the We Podcast. Thank you for being here with me. Thank you for having us. Yeah. yeah. I'm
1: excited. It's like ooh. a round table. Oh, yeah. yeah. Ooh, ooh. I'm excited, too.
0: Awesome. All right. Hopefully, our voices are different enough that people aren't getting too confused. But So, yes, there are four of us on this episode. So, to kick us off, Heather, why don't you tell us what we're talking about today? Ooh. So, today, we're talking about three S's. So, we're going to go over
2: shame success and S-E-X. <laughs> <laughs> I can see Sarah
1: turning red already. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Probably. I'm glad <laughs> I, really I don't have to talk about this by myself because I would be a jumbled mess. <laughs> All right. We so we can trying... do hard things, Sarah. Yes, yes. I know, but it's so much easier in a group, isn't it? Mm. Especially, Amen. Uh-huh. yeah, yeah. All right. So, what are we starting with? Same... Shame. Yeah. Did Ditto. Yeah, let's... Or let's... what? what is that? Where you say it at the same time? Jinx. Jinx. <laughs> 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 Sorry. You can tell I have a seven year old in my head right now. <laughs> All right. Shame sounds good. Gosh, it, shame is like my favorite thing to talk about, really. So what is it about shame, do you think, that keeps people from talking about it?
1: I, this is Christina. I'm just gonna, like even the word, like I seriously get like physically nervous thinking about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think when you have had something happen to you, we all have, had something that's been shaming, or been shamed um, in some way. It's very easy to go back to that moment and feel the feel the way you did in that moment. To recall every detail, to relive it basically. Mm-hmm. So even the like name, I'm like, oh gosh.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's so heavy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When I think of shame, I think of like a brown, heavy, sad cloud around the very essence of who I am as a human being. And so I think like back to my childhood and that the things that made me unique might also have been the things that triggered somebody else or an adult would tell me that that thing was undesirable or bad. And so then it would get put in this box. And then all of a sudden you become separate from just who you are at your core, and that shame sticks to it like glue,
0: forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, yeah, man. and
3: I feel like it's an internal, like how you describe it as kind of a box outside of you, Heather. I feel like mine is almost like a inside pull, like kind of like a root, like it. Mm-hmm especially from childhood, like it roots you in almost to that Mm
1: -hmm.
3: internalization of whatever that was that made you feel separate.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, Mm -hmm. for me. Yeah. It's very deep rooted. If I can, like we're talking very like surface here, right? Like the, here's a perfect example. And I think I told you, I admitted this to you ladies, and I never had realized it until I joined this group and i joined the wee spot and i'm i bring some humor to this group right like i am i love to be funny lighthearted like i love to be a goofball i've always loved doing that but when i started putting myself out there on the wee spot um i would get so much i would get so anxious every time like i would literally go back and reread it reread it over and over again oh. sometimes i would like just way overanalyze it. I'd send it to a friend. Was that stupid? Like, was it funny? Like give me your honest opinion and where that rooted from. And I never even realized it is when I was in third grade, my friend Jenny Peterson and I worked tired, like worked every day on this skit for the talent show. And we spent Mm. so much time planning this thing. I mean, I showed up, in my dad's pants, his leather belt. I stuffed pillows. I made myself look nice and big and round because I was a used car salesman. (laughs) And I, um, I mean, we walked out of there feeling like on top of the world. Like we nailed it because we had worked so hard and no one in the room laughed. Like literally no one, no one laughed, but it didn't dawn on me until what now I'm 38 years old it didn't dawn on me that that was a huge shaming moment for me. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. like you said, Heather, like that's a part of me. Like my sense of humor is a part of who I am. Um, And I think that like the people who are close to me, that's what they love me for. Mm -hmm. Um, And I need to be more of that because that's being true to who I am. But Mm -hmm. I didn't even realize it until I started putting myself out there. If that makes sense. Like, And so I started asking you ladies, like, was that funny? I feel weird. Like I I feel emotional about this post. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't know. So just a thought, just a quick story. I don't want to hijack
3: the conversation, but just as an example. I think it's a great example because it is what you carry. And I think it helps other people know that – Whatever it is they carry, that's theirs. Like, it's not, I feel like we judge. This is part of shame, too. We judge our stories, mm. yes. even around our shame.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. That's such a good point, Danny. Mm-hmm.
3: Like, maybe we shouldn't have this particular shame because this situation shouldn't have impacted me a certain way. Do you, do you know what
2: I mean? Mm hmm. Mm hmm hmm Yeah. But it did.
1: No, absolutely. Where yeah. The
2: other thing, the other thought that just came to my mind was a lot of the, the things that I have done for my past that I carry shame with were what I would consider to be from the outside looking in very normal lessons or things mm-hmm. that I did. I wasn't, I wasn't doing anything abnormally for that age or, you know, compared to my peers, but I still can carry so much shame with it. And Mm -hmm. when I hear about other people's stories, even if they have similar experiences, I'm able to, uh, what's the word? Like I'm able to be objective about their experience Mm -hmm. and don't judge it. But when it's my own, I can still harbor so much shame Mm -hmm. about the thing that I did that one time. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So what I hear you all saying is it's, it's, Something that's deeply rooted, it can even give you a physical response. But it dictates who you are moving forward, based on the shame that you have experienced in the past. It, like for Christina's example, it takes away your humor because you're not that funny. Is what you adopted from that, right? Like, okay, nobody laughs. Yeah, that that I'm aware. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it essentially Mm -hmm. alters the way we behave and the way Mm -hmm. we see ourselves, the way we function, everything. And I think shame makes us push down really who we are in the play small. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. Shame is a powerful force. Unfortunately, negative, powerful force. Which is why it's
3: so. Oops. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Danny. I just, why it's so important that we talk about it and that we shine light on it because it cannot exist when we, we take the power away from the shame when we talk about it. And so I think people don't realize that. So we keep it hidden and we keep it
0: inside and we don't
3: talk about it when what we really need to be doing is talking
2: about
0: it. Yeah. Totally. What were you gonna say, Heather? That was the answer to my
2: one of the answers to my question is how do we how do we bring light to shame? How do we work past it? How do we live with the shame or move past the shame?
0: Mm, Man, that is a good question. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it's such a big question. It's so good though, because I'm sitting here thinking about our next two topics actually, and like, okay, we need to probably move on to success and sex at this point, but how even those are intertwined, both Mm -hmm. of those are intertwined with shame. Like, I think that's why we don't talk about either one of them
1: Mm -hmm. because of
0: shame. So I think shame can be intertwined in probably every single topic that we're going to talk about in this series. And so maybe Mm -hmm. it's something that's important to continue to talk about. Like how do we release the shame around this? Because I think that's shame ultimately is why we don't talk about things. Mm
2: -hmm. Yes, I I agree.
0: So hopefully we are doing a service by doing this podcast and, and revealing pieces of ourselves And helping other people to see that, you know, we struggle too, that things are hard for us, that we were we weren't laughed at during the third grade talent show. And (laughs) that it's it's damaging though, right? It's hurtful Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. we question ourselves. We do all of the things. And I, I think that's huge in breaking through the shame. Barriers is by hearing other people's stories, also, and 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 learning to tell our own, which is the premise of this entire podcast. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Love it.
3: And I will say, I'm not like a super duper. You guys, you guys will know this about me. I'm not like a always find the positive silver lining in all the hard because sometimes I think there isn't. Some things are just really shitty. But with that said, like your humor, Christina. Like, if you didn't let that out, like, that's really, truly one of your gifts, in my opinion. And so when we shine a light on that shame for you, or you shine the light on that shame for you, that gift is then illuminated, really. And how lucky are we to get to experience that gift that you have? Because you are hilarious. And Mm. it's also important to talk about the shame, because I would, like, who would know that? Who would know that you mm-hmm. carry shame? Cause other people view that. Well, at least I view it as such an effortless thing, an effortless gift that you have. And it helps me have more compassion for you and like, know you on a deeper level and appreciate your gift even more because I know that underneath that gift, there was some yucky for you. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that That
1: thank you for saying that. And I think for me, at least in this arena, because we're just going to use this one as an example, because I just threw myself out there and gave it. But for some reason, like when I'm in a group and physically there with people, like I, I thrive in that environment. Like I want to be funny. I want to be myself. But for some reason that the line was drawn for me when it was no longer on an intimate level, it was like, I'm putting myself out there to all these people that I don't know. Cause like the people I know, I, Mm -hmm. I don't mind sharing it with, Mm -hmm. but the people I don't know is where, um, the struggle was so hard for me. But I think to answer Heather's question and Sarah's question, like reading a lot of Brene Brown stuff, all of her talk on shame really helped me to like start to process some mm-hmm. of those things. And then being in this group, like being in a group of women that are like, that's what you bring. Like, that's your, that's your strength. Like own that girl, like own that crap and, mm-hmm. and do it. And like cheer. having a a team of people cheering you on, I think it's made all the difference for me. And so then when I have that feeling, I just freaking call myself out now because I don't want to um hold on to it anymore. I I'm tired of mm-hmm. holding on to stuff. You all know this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like even my husband's like, holy crap, like the other night I just I'm like, Bam, here it is. Like you said that. That makes me feel this way. He's like. Oh my gosh, like I so sorry. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm just not holding on to this stuff anymore. You're just gonna hear it right now. Um, so that's that's helped me. You know, it's always going to be something I have to work on is calling myself out in those moments to people that I can trust, right? Mm-hmm, Isn't that mm-hmm. the key? Is like you share those shaming stories with people you trust. Not with somebody who's earned the right to hear it, like Brene says. Mm-hmm. She's earned you they've earned the right to hear your story. Mm-hmm. You're not floodlighting people on the streets.
0: Well, I with think your you only take, show story. Yeah. Well, I think you only take the opinion of the people you trust. Like right well, now, you're sharing this with a whole lot of people. <laughs> sure, sure, but
1: I've processed it. Right. Yeah, like right. if I'm still processing something, I'm not gonna probably shout it out from the rooftops, but like I've definitely processed this one.
0: So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's that's good. I think people that we trust should be a part of our processing. Of mm-hmm. it. Only people who we trust, mm-hmm. and sometimes people we trust aren't even going to maybe always be give us what we need. Mm-hmm. In mm-hmm. That Danny
2: and I were talking about this yesterday, actually, in the in the car on the way home. Speak it, girl. I want to hear <laughs> just just about how I'm I'm personally still tackling that piece that I do have people in my life now that can show up for me, maybe, but I am not necessarily um, giving them the opportunity to because I didn't have people in the past that could. Um, and then the opposite of that is is there are people that love me and are in my inner circle, but, um, may not be able to show up for me in the way that that will make me feel seen or validated. So just being able to try and test that out and practice, but also know who those people are. Totally.
0: Yeah, that's good. And I think certain people can with certain topics, even like, Mm -hmm. I, I, I think it, it just totally depends. And I think yeah this this leads us down a whole nother rabbit hole, I think of expecting one person to be everything, which is why female relationships or a lot of relationships I think don't work out sometimes because you're supposed to support me in every single thing <laughs> right, and if you can't, and if something's hard for you or if it triggers you or you can't show up in that space, then um that causes conflict. And I think that applies to primary relationships
2: as well as friendships. I think that having just one friend isn't
0: a good idea. It's not fair to that person. Totally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yep. So what I hear is essentially in order to start to intervene with getting rid of shame, we have to put ourselves out there. We have to start talking about it. We have to shed light on it to find Mm -hmm. the people to process through it with
3: yeah Mm -hmm. even if that person is a therapist really yeah well I think we don't have to go down that road
0: but yeah well I think different seasons require different people for sure Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah okay I could talk about shame the whole episode so we won't Mm -hmm. do that we're gonna move into success so why in the world do we have success on this list it seems like on this huge list that we have created, success is one like really? why is that there? like but <laughs> true, people don't mm-hmm. talk about their success, so why mm-hmm. is that? I think there's a myriad of
3: reasons that people don't, but since we're going deep in vulnerable and all of that and our some of little bits of our own stories, I know for speaking for myself talking about success and identifying what success looks like has been hard for me because I come because of my family of origin. It's taken me a long time to figure out what success even really looks like for me and I still struggle because to some degree I've kind of quote unquote made it out, you know, of the the crabs in the bucket example <laughs> that I like to use. So I can carry, I should carry shame around that. Sometimes I have carry guilt for kind of making it out for doing certain things, for getting a bachelor's degree, getting a master's degree. It, it It is not what my family of origin did or was headed to do. And so, so feeling successful for me carries, comes with guilt. Mm-hmm. And so there's a part of me that almost doesn't want to be more successful because how much more guilt will come with that. And so mm. that just speaking for myself, that's part of my own struggle around success and what that looks like and feels like.
0: Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm.
3: I think mean, people don't talk about that kind of part of it. I don't think.
0: Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No. So I heard somebody say not too long ago, maybe it was Brene Brown in the, um, her interview with Jack Shepard, that shame was, it had a purpose which was to keep people in their tribe or whatever. Like before we had police mm-hmm. and yeah. all of that, it, mm. it regulated the community. So mm-hmm. people didn't want to be ostracized, so they fell in line with yep. with the rules and the expectations, and shame is what was used to keep people in line. And so what you just said really reminded me of that. Like that's your system, Mm -hmm. your early childhood system and being the crab that actually hops out of the bucket when nobody else does, then you're going against that system. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. But no, go ahead. Success is how you, you don't fit anymore. And so I can totally see how that that would evoke shame but also make you not want to talk about it or hide it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not successful? What? I didn't graduate <laughs> from college. No.
3: <laughs> it's it what's funny though is truly like even in my graduate program I did really well and I got really good grades and I did this in undergrad too, but well, really, my whole life. Any really, any accomplishment that I had, I totally minimized it and kind of almost Mm -hmm. undermined it. And if I got an A on a paper, I was like, "Oh, that professor probably just didn't even read it, or they they were just being nice. They went easy on me." Rather than saying, "Yeah, I friggin' rocked that paper. I worked my ass off and I did a good job," Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. totally minimized it because. Mm how dare I really hold on to the fact that I accomplished something. Mm
2: -hmm. Well, and for
3: me, sorry, go ahead.
2: I was just going to say, there's that shame creeping in again.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: I don't know if anyone else has experienced this, but like when I think of things that like successes that I had growing up or successes in certain jobs, the, I think I too, Danny did what you did and I would minimize, um, really what I did or what I accomplished. Um, But a lot of times it was out of fear of kind of having a target on my back, mostly from other women. Mm. And I hate to say that because now I'm surrounded by a lot of women that are just rooting me on, cheering me on, being really supportive. But in my younger years, it didn't feel so much that way. I felt like if I excelled at something I didn't want anybody to know that I was excelling at it because I felt like it put a wedge between me having a relationship, you know, just my female relationships. I felt like it affected how other females viewed me, which is hard to say because what, what a yucky feeling. I'm just like thinking about it. it feels, yeah, I don't know. That, that, feel, that, that evokes another shameful response from myself.
2: I don't know. <laughs> I can understand what you're saying, Christina. And I think for me, part of my story is I have some shame around some career success that I've had because I didn't have the traditional college route. I have the college dropout uh, experience and yet yeah, I have been incredibly successful in my career path with having jobs basically handed to me year over year over year and and getting promotions and bonuses and being given opportunities for you know leadership programs and I don't talk about it a lot because I feel like maybe I really didn't pay my dues because I didn't do the the four or six or eight year college thing so depending on the setting of people that I'm in. I downplay it a lot Mm.
0: okay Mm. Mm. can I call you out on something
2: yeah
1: (laughs) do it I know what you're gonna say
0: you do yeah you guys (laughs) got it too the job she's been handed. That yeah, one. you have mm-hmm. not been hand they have yeah. not just like out of the sky <laughs> been handed <laughs> to you, girlfriend. Like you have worked your ass off and you yeah. have done a lot to, to get those those positions. And it's mm-hmm. not like it just happened to be that you were in the right place at the right time. You're right. <laughs> and we're not gonna undermine
3: our education, <laughs> but education doesn't is not everything. Like, so you're successful in your own right. Mm
2: -hmm. And yeah, you you get to own that, Heather. Yes. And I, and I like with you guys, it's, I know that I can, depending on the other people that I'm with, I definitely catch myself reframing my my financial success. I mean, I I was just thinking, um, Christina, when you were talking about downplaying, I was thinking of like the first time that I splurged and bought myself something that was like more expensive or name brand. The second somebody complimented me on it, I said, Oh, thanks. I got it on sale because, Mm -hmm. because then it's not, you know, as I I don't know, why do we do that? Mm. I don't
1: know. But you know, what's funny is like, this is a perfect, I love that you said that how you said it, because it just goes to show you how ingrained our experiences can be when it Mm -hmm. comes to shame or, um, to success. And this is like very related to shame, right? Like it's so ingrained, like you're, you're talking, we're talking about it right now and we want to downplay it. Mm -hmm. We want to, you know, make it not seem like, oh no, it's not that great. Like. Mm, You know, it's,
2: it's a struggle because you, you want to be able to share your successes, but you also, at least for myself, I'm constantly worrying about the other person feeling like Mm. I'm bragging or Mm. that I'm coming from a place of ego. So it's like a fine line on what
0: that looks like, Mm. Mm -hmm. but you're
3: not responsible for how they feel about your success.
0: True. Yeah. I think that's a great point, though I think I feel the same way as you, Heather and it's prideful and mm-hmm. and i have had I've had to do a lot of work with a professional mm-hmm. <laughs> on this because I was totally blocking myself from success, yes. because I felt like it was prideful if I owned my success and I owned my accomplishments then then I was a bad person Mm -hmm. and I wasn't being meek or all of the things that I was taught I needed to be growing up. And so I think we do, we totally can block ourselves from success based on our view of, of success.
2: Yeah. Mindset matters and who we surround ourselves with matters. When I went through my divorce about six years ago, my first big investment into myself was going to UPW the Tony Robbins event and it, that stands for unleash the power within and that's one of the premises behind what he teaches is owning owning who you are owning you know your past not letting it hold you back how dare you play small stepping into your power and when you're surrounded by people that live their lives that same way you don't have to play small and you should never do that because you're actually blocking the things that you desire for your life.
0: Mhm. So good. Yeah. That's why we got to <laughs> let go of the shame. I know. <laughs> but minimizing. Back. Yeah, yesterday even I you know, I gave a talk at my dad's um oh, was, it was so good, Sarah. Uh, <laughs> thank you. It was. And so, yeah, I see, I want to be like, oh yeah, really wasn't. Here's all the ways I messed up. Like that's right what I want to focus on. Like, here's all the things that I did that weren't that great.
2: Yeah. You said, Oh, I went too long and, Oh, I was really long winded and you were struggling with receiving uh, Mm -hmm. the the positive feedback from people.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think most of us are unfortunately programmed to do that. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I almost think about like somebody who doesn't do that scares me a little bit too <laughs> because it's like oh yeah it, i mean i think you can go the opposite extreme too and have somebody who like doesn't ever look at areas where they need to improve also mm-hmm. you know what i mean so maybe more of a balance of recognizing that and catching it and and stopping it rather than it totally running away but I think total absence of it isn't necessarily good either. Does that make sense? Mm
3: -hmm. I think you have to have humility and you have to have confidence and believe in yourself, but also not get carried away with it. So I think that's, that
2: comes down for me, in my opinion, to humility
3: Hmm. and self-reflection.
2: But well, and Sarah, do you worry that by just saying thank you, That you're coming across to the people praising you as not
0: humble? No, because I have worked really hard on that. Like I would have only said that to you, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Or, Mm -hmm. or one of you, somebody who is really close to me, everybody else who came up, I said, thank you. Okay. But I, I felt still like that wasn't enough. Like, thank you isn't enough. Mm -hmm. I, I need to say more to you. justify something yeah well or like you're being so nice to me and just saying thank you is not enough of a gift back to you do you know what I mean mm-hmm. like I feel like that a lot when I get compliments mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah like do you feel like you owe them something more in, in a way mm-hmm. yeah interesting yeah so this wasn't supposed to be about me <laughs> sounds like yeah. we have some practice
2: that we can do this week just mm-hmm. saying thank you when somebody compliments us yeah. mm-hmm. don't say anything else after the thank you
1: <laughs> not i got them mm-hmm. on
2: sale sarah's not. gonna start rocking
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> no i will too i'm gonna practice that this week
0: Mm-hmm.
3: mm-hmm. i yeah. need to too I, me too all right because i get stuck in this similar cycle circle, whatever, thinking if someone compliments me, I have to, oh, I have to give them a compliment back. I can't just say thank you. Mm -hmm. They say, oh,
0: I like your hair. Oh, well, I really like yours, or I like your dress, instead of Mm -hmm. just saying thank you. Yeah, totally. And maybe part of that is because I do like to make people feel good. Like I do Mm -hmm. like to pour into other people too. Giving them the gift of accepting their
2: compliment is is pouring into them though.
0: Mm,
2: good point. Because I, I'm thinking of the times where I've complimented someone and then I was like, like if somebody says, Oh, I like your glasses, and I'm like, Thanks, I like yours too, and they're not wearing glasses, or, <laughs> <laughs> or even if they are, but I don't like them. Yeah. It's not authentic. Right. They, it's not that. they know yeah. that. So just saying thanks and the way you say thanks can make them feel. Really amazing.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't. Yeah, I don't try to like be ingenuine with responses, but I think separating them out, though, like finding opportunities to be the first one to compliment, mm-hmm. and not following up a compliment somebody else gave you with another compliment, like making sure that they're separate from each other.
3: hmm
0: That makes sense. Mm. But.
3: I also think we're taught as I really, like as women, we're taught in our society. We have, there's indirect messages that come from our families and just society in general that we're not, we can't just take compliments. We have that. We can't, we're, we're taught that. I think Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. I
3: agree that if we just say, thank you, then somehow we're arrogant or bitchy or snotty Mm -hmm. or ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: I'm starting to be okay with being bitchy though. (laughs)
3: My therapist tells me when I feel like I'm being bitchy or that I'm being a, if I feel like I'm being bitchy, then I'm probably on the right track yeah. because I spent so much of my life being so passive that now when I feel that coming up, that that's as fine, that I'm probably, we're probably doing what we need to be doing.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this reminds me of a book I read many years ago that I keep telling my niece she needs to read, Why Men Love Bitches. <gasps>
0: That that Sarah loves that book for me. I, that mm-hmm. I'm not joking you. That book like changed the course of my life. Did sure. it? really? Oh my gosh. Awesome. I love that book. Mm-hmm. I'm there. So I remember nice. when you read that book. Yeah. I was so embarrassed to read it. I yeah. used to hide it under my <laughs> dresser. I was know. ashamed. Yes. Oh yeah. Really?
1: Really?
0: Oh, yeah because of
1: the word, right? Because of the title.
0: Oh, I yeah, I hid it yeah. under my dresser. So if anybody <laughs> came over, they wouldn't see that I was reading it. Oh my goodness. Yeah, because it was like, oh my gosh. Well, first of all, and this could maybe lead into our sex talk, but. You're not (laughs) adequate enough to even know what men want. Like that was the first thought, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, You have to read a book about it. (laughs) (laughs) Second of all, all, why would you ever want to be a bitch? But it's the first book that really, I I like literally, and I don't think I read it until I was like 25 maybe. But that where I got the concept of like, you have the right to have boundaries, like you have the mm-hmm. right to not do whatever the hell somebody else wants you to do. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> when you, even when you're married, you can be two separate mm-hmm. people. Like that was a concept. Oh man, I did not have any clue. No clue. Sure.
1: So you were raised a lot, like I was Sarah, like in a very religious setting, um, Mm -hmm. in a, in a home that like, it was very clear, like you're humble, you know, you have sex after marriage, you, you know, the wife is supposed to be submissive, like all these things. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was raised the same way. That book was, I loved that book, loved it. And, and people, When I read it, I initially was like, oh, people like really think that like they read this title and they think it's about one thing, Mm -hmm. but it's really just about owning who you are and still having friends outside of that romantic relationship
2: Mm -hmm. and
1: standing up for yourself in your relationship that's really it's it's very practical it's not like hey be a bitch to every guy like don't you don't don't treat them right it's it's not that at all yeah. and so when I first started reading it I was like I mean I would like explain it to people because I was just like <laughs> nice girl like I mean it's, it's not what you think it is like I know <laughs> the title sounds this way but like I felt like I had to say that to everybody totally. yeah um,
0: but I loved that book as mm-hmm. well oh it's, it's so a good, good. one. Yeah, that not losing yourself based on mm-hmm. somebody the the relationship that you're in. I gave it to Aubrey when she was like 14. I was like you need to read this book. <laughs> you have to.
3: 10 it. years <laughs> earlier than I did. <laughs> Way earlier. Yeah. Good job, mama. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. All right, so back to about maybe this is a good uh lead in to sex because we've already talked a little bit about it. And this is probably really Let's the topic. Me, baby. Baby. Let's talk Let's about sex me. Let's talk
1: about and me.
0: <laughs> you know this is the topic that everyone has stayed in this podcast for. <laughs> totally. <laughs> All right. So who's leading us off? When it comes to sex, why don't we talk about it?
2: Well, I, I mean, we already talked about how shame is the overarching theme with all of our topics. And I think socially sex can be taboo and it means something different for everyone. Some people have no problems talking about it and... But don't talk about it because they don't want to make other f- people feel uncomfortable. And then some people are very uncomfortable with their own sexuality and can't handle their own, let alone other people's. So uh, we'd rather read about it in books in our room in private or watch it on TV or whatever. But it's one of my favorite topics.
0: Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. And it I always has it. been since we were 15 <laughs> years old. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Yeah. It's awesome.
3: I have even found therapists have a hard time talking about sex with their clients, oh. their couples, especially mm. that. Yeah. Even couples therapists won't bring up sex with their couples. I've always see.
2: said I should have been a sex therapist. Mm. Oh you
3: my gosh. Have. You should
1: have.
2: I know. Right. Yeah
1: there's still time. There's, there's still, still time, time. Heather.
2: Go <laughs> back lovely. to school after you... my girls graduate.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You could be a sex coach. You don't even need to be a therapist. Say
2: that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm adding that to my vision board.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So start with us. Come on. I know, uh, in back in 10th grade, you were an example of somebody who talked about things that people don't talk about, especially when it comes to sex. And I remember like being so drawn to that, but so freaked out by it at the same time. (laughs) That sounds pretty typical of how most people feel with me. (laughs) So, but we do need to talk about it. We absolutely Mm -hmm. need to talk about it uh, for so many different reasons, but it's one of those topics that holds so much shame for sure. Mm -hmm. But also I think it's a topic that we're just taught from a very young age. Like this is something that should not, at least I was, I'll speak for myself, should not come out of your mouth. Like this is between you and the person that you are sharing the sex with <laughs> and nobody else. Mm-hmm. Well, and even then, is it really talked about,
2: do we really mm-hmm. talk about sex even mm-hmm. with our intimate partners? Um, that's one of the things that, that, that I think about, especially raising, um, two daughters. I, I felt this this need to be as open and honest with them as they started to become curious about their own bodies and mine. Um, they grew up in a house where naked was normal. We were, mm-hmm. as their parents, we were always naked and they were always naked and there was no shame around that. And, and we modified that for to be more age appropriate. But I felt this, I had seen friends struggle with their own sexuality um, and had so much shame around it. And they were all having sex way before I was but I was the only one talking about it. And so raising my daughters to feel comfortable asking questions about their bodies and about my body and about sex and sexuality in general. And I just felt like the more that they knew and the less they were afraid to talk about it, the healthier they could be in themselves and their own sexuality. And I didn't want them to feel shame around pleasure with sex. And I didn't want them to not be able to say no because they thought that they were had to be dutiful or whatever if they get themselves in a situation. I was actually just sharing with somebody the other day that even though I was pretty open about the topic of sex, I still carry some shame around sex because most of my sexual encounters in my late teens and early twenties were passive yeses because I didn't say no. So I just didn't want that for my kids. And yeah, I'm not afraid to talk about sex. It's meant for pleasure, but we weren't always necessarily taught that. And especially I Mm -hmm. feel like in this country, it's such a taboo thing and there's all of these extreme dysfunctions I think that result from that.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I feel similar to you, Heather, and have been extremely open with the kids, my kids. But it's been interesting because my husband grew up in a very religious environment, and very you don't talk about things like sex. And so, even though we have tried to raise the kids super open and like we were, well, I I still well maybe I shouldn't say this. My kids still see me naked. Oh, me too. But not my. (laughs) I'm naked all the time. he not my husband though he has um he's very modest he's very modest and i know some of hi- and i don't i know some of his modesty comes from sexual abuse that happened in his family not to him but there's a, lo- a lineage of sexual abuse that happened um from the men in his family so he's super modest due to his family history and um so that's been a challenge because I kind of force that we talk mm. about sex with the kids and, you know, our bodies and all of that. And and he, he's still, cause we'll talk, we talk about it at the dinner table and I, we are open about puberty and what goes on and what's, what are the changes? And are you feeling urges yet? I'm trying to be sort of... <laughs> PC, not so, not so yeah. PC for the podcast, but and it makes it's just it's interesting to me because we will talk about it, but it makes him uncomfortable. Mm-hmm.
0: It makes me uncomfortable. I'm like thinking about talking about urges with my children at the dinner table. Like
1: want
3: to
0: crawl out of my freaking skin. Yeah, Jason does send too. them over to Auntie <laughs> Like, oh my Lord,
2: sounds <laughs> <That was> terrible.
3: <laughs> but I think mean, it's important. Like, I want to know, Are you, I want to mm-hmm. know the stage my kids are in with puberty and, you know, are they feeling turned on and like they're ha- wanting to have sex? And if so, what does that mean for them? And mm-hmm. no one talked to me about that. And I, like Heather, had a lot of passive yeses. And. I wish I had known, I wish i had had the talks that I'm having with my kids. And I wish I was raised, you know, feeling like my body was not to be embarrassed about and that it's not embarrassed Mm -hmm. to be horny and turned on and want to pursue my partner. It's not that that's normal. That's okay.
2: And to talk about it with your partner. I think that's Mm -hmm. the other piece too, is the more comfortable my kids can get, in talking with each other and with me, because they're not going to share everything with me. But the more we normalize right. the conversation, the more likely they are to feel okay talking about it with their intimate partners.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have definitely always. I'm obviously I thought I was open until this conversation. <laughs> 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 I'm like, man, I need to up my game. Uh, <laughs> but definitely more open, I would say, than my mom and my dad. But I remember, like, getting my period and thinking I was dying. Like, I had absolutely no clue what was happening. That's so (laughs) sad. (laughs) Yes. So I've come a long way, I think, with my children. But I still, still, though, I want there to be open conversation. I feel like there is... I mean, it could probably be better, but I still in my mind am like, oh, like screaming, like, oh my gosh, do I have to have this conversation? This is so uncomfortable. Yeah. You're willing to have it. It just stretches you quite a bit. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. totally. Yeah. One of the, just talking about the period um, conversation, one of the things that um, I did for my oldest daughter and will do for my youngest daughter as well is we celebrate the um, be- Coming into womanhood, Um, as soon as they get their period, we they get to go shopping and go out to eat wherever Mm -hmm. they want to eat, and we like have like this goddess celebration um, because even there's so much shame around periods too. Mm -hmm. Ew, it's so gross and dirty and ew, and I don't want them to feel that way. I want them to know Mm -hmm. that they are sacred and their Mm moon cycle is sacred, and so I make it into this big celebration.
0: That's amazing. That's awesome. That is one hundred percent opposite. I got to stay. I got to stay home from school for Aww. like two or three Aww. days. Yeah, nice. Because it was so shameful. Yeah. Oh. Yeah.
2: We can celebrate your next moon cycle, Sarah. <laughs>
0: I don't have mm-hmm. a uterus anymore. But you still
3: ovulate. <laughs>
0: So that ship has
3: sailed. <laughs> population party. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Christina, what were you? Oh my today? gosh! So talk about Shane. So real quick, funny story. We went to Steamboat. You all know that. Um, when we showed up at our house in Steamboat, I had just started my period. Your periods change through your lifetime, and right now mine are not so great in terms of yes lots of things but we show up and they use the restroom and there's no water oh no so you know what like that shame and you know so Mm -hmm. there's so much shame around periods but Sarah I was like a lot like you like what was weird is that there was this element of these are the rules around sex and my family never talked about it Although there were these like things going on behind closed doors Mm because there was sexual abuse in my family growing up, that was felt very secretive. Mm -hmm. And so it almost took a double whammy to my Mm -hmm. sexuality. I was a very late bloomer. I didn't end up having sex until I was 20, which was fine, but I was terrified of it. Mm -hmm. Terrified. Like I got married when I was 20 and I was scared of it. And, you know, I've come a long way, but I mean, all of us have these things that, that are linked to how we feel in the bedroom. And there's a lot of shame and there's a lot of what feels secretive and what should feel right and what shouldn't feel right. And I really had to learn how to release a lot of crap just to enjoy the moment. And really that's what you, we are supposed to do is supposed to enjoy that connection to another human being Mm -hmm. Um, and unfortunately my first marriage um, just to come out and say it like my first marriage I didn't marry somebody somebody that it was safe that it wasn't a safe environment sex was Mm -hmm. not Mm -hmm. a safe environment if that makes sense Mm -hmm. yeah and so I at the retreat I think I mentioned to you that my husband now Kyle from the very early time that we got together we were kind of a safe haven for each other. And he was a very big safe haven for me sexually. He really broke, I was able to break through a lot of walls that, that I don't know that I would have broken through without having that sort of trust with another person Mm -hmm. in that way.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. That's beautiful, Christina. I think socially, socially girls are taught, we, we are sex shamed and boys are celebrated mm-hmm. for their sexual conquests. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that that's a whole other dynamic that our boys and our girls are challenged with that sucks for the boys and it sucks for the girls.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. I, you brought up a, a point and thank you for sharing that with us. I think I grew up, I grew up thinking sex should not be pleasurable, yeah. like you mm-hmm. should not enjoy it's it. It's dutiful. Yes, exactly. 100%. You have sex when your husband wants it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and I know I talk openly about my sexual abuse at a young age. So that coupled with Mm -hmm. this is your duty, like Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. learning that in the church and all of the places that I learned it, society, whatever, then it just becomes, well, for me, it became the way that I the only way to love, like the only way yeah. to be worthy or valuable. And on top of that, I wasn't supposed to enjoy it either.
1: <laughs> so love oh, without any
0: pleasure. Oh, what the hell?
1: <laughs> this feels like torture, like not in a good kind of like, you know, great. What's the book? Oh, Fifty shades. 50 shades. <laughs> not in that kind of way, like in a bad
0: yeah well yeah Mm -hmm.
3: I feel like I guess uh, that is another component to sex that I think people don't talk about is the confusion especially when there's been sexual abuse because the body responds because it just does it's going to Mm -hmm. and so it's becomes for people who have been sexually abused I can speak for myself, feeling pleasure during sexual encounters, whatever they may be, can be shame-provoking and confusing because that pleasure gets intertwined with shame and the loss of power. And so I think that's another reason we don't talk about sex and for, for people who have been abused anyway. Totally agree. Yeah. And it takes... I know for me, I mean, it took work to get to a place where I could even relax and enjoy it and Mm -hmm. it be pleasurable and be okay that it was pleasurable and not confusing and not feel dirty and not feel all kinds of different things. Mm
1: -hmm. Like
3: Dan, Dan well, just, you know, feeling like it's okay to want sex from my partner and that not that, that I'm not dirty for wanting it. And that, mm-hmm. when it feels good that it's not that i'm just, that i'm not bad for enjoying it
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you bring up a really, really good point, and I'm glad you said it. You said it took you time to get through that, and it it mm-hmm. took a lot of time for me to it wasn't like I met Kyle and he solved all these issues. no, 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 like I had mm-hmm. a therapist when I was married to my first husband who was just amazing. I met her at the right time. Like I needed her. I needed that. I needed that relationship during that moment, but she, I saw her for, I think three years. And there was a lot of, a lot of work that was put in, not just a a light that you can just flip and have it change. Right. And you do have to take time to work through it. And I think for some people, I think it still comes up for me. I mean, I'll be honest, like there, it will still come up for me in intimate moments with my husband. Mm -hmm. My, my thought will go back to something that's happened in the past. And this has been years later and I've put in a lot of work too. Mm -hmm. So it's important to recognize that you've got to give yourself some time, you know, to work through these Mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: This is deep. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh, do you want to hear a funny story about sex
0: sure yeah I have a
1: a ton of them but I'll share my shortest one Um, I had a friend who was well versed in sex as I would have called it in my early 20s (laughs) and her and I went to the store Hot Topic anyone remember that store Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. at Hot Topic they had Candy necklaces, but they were underwear and a bra made out of the candies from a candy necklace. Mm -hmm. And she's like, and Kyle was on a hunting trip. She's like, Oh, you so need to rock these. Like, he's gonna think that is so hot. Like, (laughs) you just need to do it. And I was like, Really? I was like this like prude, like so like, oh no, I like I'm like timid and shy. Like it wouldn't come out of the bathroom in lingerie or anything. I'm like, I've never done this. She's like, Oh. You need to do it. It's gonna turn him on so bad, and I'm like, oh, okay, okay, okay. So I buy this. Like, I mean, I spent so much money on this crap, and so I get it home. It took me three weeks to get up the balls to do it. To to like Aww. get the courage to put it on and come out of the bathroom. And I came out. Of course, it doesn't hang right. Right, like it's <laughs> like it a right, right? It's like saggy sagging in the butt like it's all like falling off my nipples are hanging out like I'm like oh man it's bad it's so bad and I come out of the bathroom and he he Steve, takes one look at me and we both start dying laughing <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> oh, we so were funny. laughing so hard so then we tried to get serious and he tried biting one of the, one of them off and it shot across the room <laughs> <Amy>. <laughs> and, and so from that moment on i vowed to kyle that i would not take my friend my friend that particular friend's advice on anything in the bedroom <laughs> <laughs> Oh that's awesome. That's the best story, Christina. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. I love and, it. Yeah, Sarah, I said nipple. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
0: this this episode's going to have a warning anyway, so it's cool. It's <laughs> cool. <laughs> oh, that's so funny? Oh, I
2: love that. Yeah. Do you okay. feel like do you feel like sex has gotten better the older you are like the more Mm you do the work on yourself in other areas of your life do you feel like sex has gotten better are you asking
0: all of us yeah just in general
2: yeah I do
0: yeah because I think it's a gosh I mean I think sex is a result of growth like whether or not it's it's good or pleasurable is is a huge result of growth and knowing yourself and your ability to, to speak up and say, this is what I want, or this is what I need. Doesn't only apply to everyday life, but it applies in the bedroom as well. I think Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's gotten easier for me for sure. It's what you said, Sarah, like, I'm not
1: afraid to say, Ooh, I don't like that. Or I I do like that. Mm -hmm. I'm less afraid to say that. At with everything. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: And I think for me, sex is not just intercourse. It's so much more than that. It's more about intimacy and connection. And the, I think that's the other piece that people don't talk about too, is that I feel like people think about sex and talk about sex with orgasm in mind, especially mm-hmm. in partnerships. And I don't think that that's all there that we should not be I don't think we should be approaching sex as having an orgasm as the end goal and mine yeah if that happens that's lovely and great and I'm lucky that
2: I have those (laughs) (laughs) didn't talk about that challenge she did where she's committed now she won't have a sexual encounter with her husband unless the end goal is orgasm Oh. oh oh I don't know i i I don't know
1: but they do sexy september where they have sex every day in september and i don't know how that that seems hard that seems ridiculous
2: (laughs) hey we can do hard things ladies (laughs) (laughs) yes we can (laughs) see i know i
3: struggle with that
2: Yeah, we can do hard things <laughs> well I think the context behind Rachel um, Rachel's theory Danny was that she grew up being told or thinking that sex wasn't meant to be pleasurable for women and so she was more in the dutiful mindset and so then she set out to make it a goal to have that be the goal for her but a byproduct now is that she's actually stepped into her own power and feels, like she's taken ownership of her sexuality.
0: Yeah. And mm-hmm. I can see a play. I can see, I think it's coming to me. Like, think about like in, in, I don't know, I guess this is true for most people. I could be totally wrong, but how often is the goal orgasm for the male? But not it is right. every single right. time no. for the male. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And so for the female, so often it's like, oh yeah. Cause it's harder for women. And so mm-hmm. I think a lot of times it's, well, if it happens, great. If it doesn't, that's fine too. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I can totally Mm -hmm. see it needing to be the goal for women. Like it's a different frame of mind, I think.
3: Mm -hmm. I just know women who can't orgasm. And so, and I think they carry shame around that. And so, Mm -hmm that's all I guess that I, that comes to, not that's all that comes to mind, but I am sensitive to people who yeah would carry shame if the end goal was orgasm and they couldn't ever get there for whatever reason. Maybe they're, they have something going on with their anatomy, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think that brings up a whole nother topic in my mind too. And I don't know that we have time to talk about it, but let's talk about it real quick. Um, (laughs) because it, it it relates to christina's thing too with the bra and the candy bra and stuff which is the the concept of like sex toys or um okay <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if y'all heard that word <laughs> <laughs> and, and <laughs> the m word <laughs> self pleasure non-traditional, like outside of the missionary style sex. Like, you know what I mean? I think there's that whole, there's a whole conversation to be had about all of that as well. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, knowing your body, trying different things, exploring, being open to that. I think that there's huge shame around that for so many women. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Definitely. Men and women hmm yeah I, I agree hmm
2: mm-hmm. and yeah yeah mm-hmm. having <laughs> fantasies there's a lot of shame around fantasies
0: hmm kink yeah and I think with certain things it's hard to know like when is it healthy and when is it not do you know what I mean like at what point does it okay so like 50 shades of gray we're going down this path women love that book, obviously.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I read it in the San Francisco airport and everybody around me could tell what I was reading too. <laughs> <laughs> I was swarming in my seat with my Kindle.
1: <laughs> I loved those books, even though there was like some like, but like conversations that weren't quite believable. I, I, yeah. still, I loved the books. I I could not do the movies, but I loved the books. Mm. Hmm. Um. But se- like self pleasure is is still a hard thing
2: for me. I have a lot of friends that say that. Hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just not something that I really think about doing. Hmm. Like ever. I don't know.
0: Mm-hmm. Maybe
1: it's just not my thing. I don't know.
3: We were talking about dildos today in our house, and uh, it was kind of funny because Jason, Zoe said it, and Jason was like, "Don't ever say that word again." It's <laughs> me in the room, and Zayden was standing there, and he looks at me, goes, "Mom, we should put one in the Amazon cart just to freak Dad out." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we have toys, but. The fact that the kids said the word like mortified. <laughs> and I'm like, why does that mortify you? But I'm I guess he doesn't want to hear about it. our children don't use doldos but
0: <laughs> maybe someday they will. Oh, I don't want to think about that. I am in the I am in the Jason camp. I don't want to hear that word about mental health I don't know. I'd and rather
3: my the kind children you. I would say, let's go pick one out. Let me help you find one that I think would be. That's over
0: the line for me. Like, that is, that is for over you. the line for me. Sarah's using her safe <laughs> word. <laughs> like, <okay>.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and I think I think we need to acknowledge that too that there isn't a right and a wrong, right? Right. Sex mm-hmm. and what you enjoy and what your limits are and what your boundaries are, are okay, whatever that mm-hmm. is and um i think it can be a very beautiful thing but it can also be a thing that is very painful for people emotionally and physically and that's okay too no judgment here
0: mhm totally and mm-hmm. I, I i like what you said heather i agree like everybody has their own way of being their own way of approaching it what they feel comfortable with and what they don't and i think that mm-hmm. And this, is an, this is also an area where we can continue to grow and, and open ourselves up to and being able to allow ourselves to be present in the moment and, and have fun with it. I remember we had a great pastor here in Greeley that we used to go and he, I loved him because he talked about all the things that people didn't talk about. And, uh, he did this whole sermon one Sunday on how God created sex to be enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And I about fell out of my chair. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't believe you're talking about this in front of everybody uh, at church, <laughs> Exactly, but I loved it too. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's thrilling almost like to hear those words come out of somebody's mouth, because that's how we were created. Our bodies do respond. And I think, I think we've got to continue to seek out whatever it is we need in order to grow in this area, whether it's more communication with our partner or um, more self exploration or more doing something different. You know what I mean? I think there's, There's lots of ways to do it, but making sure, too, that you're in a safe place with a safe person, Mm. and that's obviously, like, of the ultimate importance when you're, when it comes to exploring, for sure. Yeah,
3: I agree. Well said.
0: Hmm, Thanks. I didn't say dildo, but you did good.
1: You did good. It's a hard topic, but man, that sounded great.
2: And let's clarify that sex shop doesn't mean sex workers are there. It means right, oh, a, yeah, like a toy store. Toy, toy store. Yeah, thank
0: you. Thanks for clarifying
2: that. I mean, you could you could go that route, but that that also
0: needs to be safe and legal legal yes <laughs> safe and legal we are not recommending anything that is unsafe or illegal no. no all right um any last thoughts ladies i i know uh we are definitely going to have a couple more sections of this we've got a lot more to talk about that uh people don't talk about but anything you'd like to say to our listeners as we close this episode just thanks for listening. And we, uh, I would love to
3: know what people thought of this episode. Oh, or if me too. I mean, we have our list of things that we're going to tackle, but if they're, well, I guess we could wait for the end of the series. If they have more topics that we haven't covered, they could add.
0: No, I like oh, that. Together. I like suggestions, though, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Anybody else? Congratulations.
2: And, Nice work sticking through the very end, and I know it can be uncomfortable, but hopefully this resonated with you in some way, uh, talking about one of the three S's, and uh, we're looking forward to continuing the series.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I love it. I love this round table, because we, we can, I
2: don't know, it, you just never know where it's going to go. <laughs> that is the truth. <laughs> and we each, we each have our own unique experiences and perspectives and even if we don't come from the same mindset we we support each other and encourage the conversation and i feel like that's something that i've really been missing out in the outside world is the divisiveness is so polarizing and so being able to come to this place and have opposing opinions or different thought processes um and still being supportive and inclusive in a non judgmental space. We need more of this. Mm-hmm. Let's keep it up.
0: Yeah. Love it. Mm-hmm. And you never know what's gonna come out of our mouths. So stay <laughs> tuned. <laughs> stay tuned. So true. <laughs> All right, my friends, what an awesome interview. We absolutely believe in the power of our stories and we are so very grateful to our guests who have the courage to speak their truth and share their heart experiences and light with all of us. If you want more of the Wee Podcast, make sure you head over to the thewespot.com where you can find all of our episodes as well as the We Spot blog. The we Spot is your go-to spot for growth, connection, authenticity, and encouragement. You can also find us on social media. Head over to the we Spot Facebook and Instagram pages and get plugged in. You can also find me, Sarah Moneris, on my personal Facebook and Instagram pages as well. If you love the Wee Podcast, we would be thrilled for you to rate the podcast and write us a review. We want as many people as possible to be lifted up in growth and get connected with our community. Also, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes dropping every single week. We can't wait to see you over on social media. Thank you for being here today. It means a lot to us. Remember, your story makes you who you are. Speak your truth, grow constantly, rise above, and always know you are not on this journey alone. See you next time.